Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan well, uh, for your uh, life. A fellow stopped at a um, Little League game to just watch for a little while, and he hadn't been there more than a few minutes, and he noticed though, the score was 18 to 0. And he asked the boy, you know, what's going on? He said, well, we're losing. We're losing big, 18 to 0. And, and yet... He could tell that the boy wasn't really down about it. And he said, wow, man, that's, that's really something. But you don't seem very discouraged about it. And the little boy said, well, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I call faith. And over the next several weeks, we're going to explore faith in a series that, that we're calling Daring Faith based on some resources from Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church and his church in Southern California. We're doing this, as, as it's been mentioned, not only with sermons, but also small group videos with Warren that has discussion material for, for the groups each week of the six weeks, and Daring Faith journals for daily devotional readings and places to reflect on that. And all of that begins next Sunday, not today, but next Sunday. Next Sunday will be day one of the readings. And next Sunday will be the first day that the groups actually start meeting. So we're doing this because we want to stretch our faith. We want to stretch your faith. And honestly, we got to recognize that sometimes that's not a very comfortable thing. It calls us out into areas where we may not want to typically go. But the result of that stepping out is growth, is spiritual maturity, it's full devotion to Christ. It is God's blessings and so much more. In Romans it says the gospel reveals how God puts people right with himself. It is through faith from beginning to end. As the scripture says, the person who is put right with God through faith shall live. From beginning to end, from start to finish, it's through faith that we get right with God. In Hebrews it says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Listen, we can't please God without faith. But the good news is, the really good news, is that God rewards those of us when we really seek him, when we earnestly, the scripture says, earnestly seek him. So if you look at what Scripture says, it says that the right way to live is by faith. The way we connect with God is by faith. And what's more, it is impossible to please God without faith. So what is faith? And, and we're going to explore that over the next several weeks. But, but here's a simple way of thinking about it. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. And, and I'm gonna come back to that, but just think about it for a moment about what faith then isn't. It, it isn't a desire. It, it isn't pretending that something is true when it isn't. It isn't a feeling. And it isn't bargaining with God. You know, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do that. 
In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So I hope you're seeing, seeing what, what the Bible is saying is that faith is a way of seeing what's not always obvious or visible to the world around us. And that's critical because there's typically more than one way to see things. There's one, more than one way to understand how things are. And the key to faith is seeing the world as God sees it, as from his point of view, versus what we may have come to know or practice. In Ephesians 1, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers. I mean, do we realize, and we're in a world that is more and more science and technology is so much a part of everything around us, and if we can't weigh it or, or measure it or something like that, sometimes it's easy to dismiss and what we're saying, quite honestly, quite frankly, is that there is an unseen seen realm, a supernatural world that is more real than what we can even see or touch. Because what you and I can see now is temporary. Yes, for our lifetimes and in our lifespans, it seems very real. And it is. But our bodies, our buildings... Our cars, none of that's going to last. The things that actually last are unseen. And this is where the faith realm comes in. God wants to open my eyes. He wants to open your eyes to realize that, that, that Jesus is right here in our midst, here, gathered with us. As Scripture says, where two or three are gathered, I am there that his angels encircle us and watch over us even now, and that God has a plan for your life, for my life, for every life in here that probably is bigger than what you realize, probably more than you have even imagined. And so this morning, to prepare us for daring faith and to get us pumped up for this adventure, I want to look at what happens when, when we see with eyes of faith. But, but before that, I want us to kind of look at the, uh, the, the flip side of that. What do we see through eyes of fear? Because that's really kind of the, the opposite side of the coin. And unfortunately, all too often, we, we do see with eyes of fear without even realizing it. And in doing so, we miss out on so much of what God wants us to see, to experience, to do. And a great example of this, and there are lots of them in the Bible, but, but the one we're going to look at this morning is from Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And this is, we've got a map up here just to kind of orient you. Here is the Dead Sea, the, up here is uh, the Sea of Galilee, here's the Mediterranean, here's Egypt, the Sinai Peninsula, and over here is where Moses and the Hebrews begin and they leave and they cross the sea and they come down and down in here they get the, the Ten Commandments from God and build the tabernacle and then they start kind of traveling and the scripture says, and we're not exactly sure where this spot is, but this is on this map one depiction, the Kadesh Barnea, one place where now they have come, they have traveled and it's taken them a couple of years 
to get to this place. And they are on really kind of the southern end. Here's the promised land right here. And they're on the southern edge, just south of it. Still some rough terrain, but, but they're getting close. They have, they have worked their way around to that. And they're, they're about to, to move. And it's been slow. You've got a lot of people moving, you know. And, and as they get there, Moses decides to send 12 men in, representing one from each of the 12 tribes. And he wants them to spy out the land, to get the lay of the land, kind of know what they're going to be facing as they go, as they go forward. And so they send out the 12 spies, and they're gone for a while. And when they come back, two of the spies... The Bible tells us Joshua and Caleb tell everyone, man, this land is wonderful. It's, it's better than we imagined, and, and, and it, it's fantastic. But the other ten spies say, yeah, it's, it's good, all right. It looks, it looks wonderful, but then there's, they have this whole list of problems of why they shouldn't go in. Because even though God has brought them to this point, instead of seeing with eyes of faith, they're seeing with eyes of of fear. So the people rebel. They get the report, and, and it's, it's two good reports, ten bad reports, and, and so they go with the, the majority report. And, and God tells them then that their whole generation is going to miss out on his incredible plan, and they're going to they're have to wander in that wilderness for another 38 years until that entire unseeing generation has passed on so that a new generation that chooses to believe, that chooses to step out in faith, can take their place. And, and, and here's the thing. This isn't just a, a history lesson. I mean, God doesn't want you and me wandering in our wildernesses today. He wants us to also learn how to see with eyes of faith. And my hope and my prayer over these next several weeks is that is that we will grow in our faith and we will experience more of the promised land that God has for every one of us. And, and, and recognize this. God's will is going to be done. One of the things we say about God is he is sovereign. His will is ultimately done. His will is done whether or not you or I have faith, whether or not you or I cooperate. The, the fact that the church exists today is a testimony that the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Romans, and you could go on and on and on, none of them have ever been able to stop God's plans. But if we fail to act in faith, we can derail our opportunity to join in his plan, to experience his leading, his direction his promises. In other words, we can also wander in the wilderness. We can miss out. Right in the midst of where we are, right here in southeast Houston, there is wilderness. It's not a physical wilderness, right? Eyes that we see, but it is a spiritual wilderness. It is a wilderness where life just doesn't seem to work or doesn't seem to have meaning or purpose. God does not need our help. I mean, this is amazing. He's sovereign. He spoke the universe into existence. But by his grace, he's chosen, he's, he's said to every one of you, 
I want you in on this journey. I want you to go with me to the promised land. I don't want you to miss this. And what's more, I hope you will, you will bring some people with you because the promised land is big. There's room for all of us, but we have to bring them. We have to join in. We have to be a part of what God's doing. So if we don't choose eyes of faith, if we choose eyes of fear as the Israelites did, some things are gonna happen. And here's some some examples. First, we will exaggerate our difficulties. I mean, think about this. Just two years earlier, just two years earlier, God had taken these slaves who had been slaves for 400 years, and he brings them out of the most powerful nation in the known world through plagues. He brings them across a sea. And when they're being chased, the sea collapses onto the most powerful army of the day, destroying it. But that's not all. He doesn't just get them across the water. Then he begins to provide them food, manna every morning, provide them water from even rock at times. He provide, he, the Bible says that their clothes didn't wear out. Have any of you ever had clothes that didn't wear out? I mean, that's that's pretty miraculous. It it, it says there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night leading them. And then they built a tabernacle right in their midst to, to signify to them that God was there with them as a physical, visible reminder so they've, they've done all of this stuff for two years and they get to the edge of the promised land and they become afraid of these disparate groups that are not united on one, under one leader, who are, do not have the technology the Egyptians had of chariots, who are not a trained fighting force nearly in the same way. And, and that's the thing for us. We, we, can have, we can experience amazing things sometimes in our past, but when we look at our, our problems through the eyes of fear, those problems just get bigger. And, and if someone criticizes us, we start thinking that, that everyone else is thinking the same thing. Listen to what the spies reported. They said, it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Ten out of 12 could not see God's promises in this new land. I mean, how often is it that the majority report is negative? Yet where God wants us to go. Guys, we often have to go against the majority. We have to go against what the common wisdom or the lay of the land says. Because The common wisdom looks at things through eyes of fear rather than faith. But in verse 30, it says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take this land. He said, we certainly can conquer it. I mean, only only Caleb and Joshua see with eyes of faith and believe that God, the God who defeated Pharaoh, the God who led them through the Red Sea, the God who provides for them food every single day can certainly succeed here. 
The problem is negative attitudes are contagious. The problem is sometimes we start thinking, what have you done for me lately, God? And we forget. We have to decide each day to see the world as God sees it. And what's ironic, what's really funny is 38 years later, when that that generation has died off, the new generation has come, and they do march into the promised land. Do you know what they hear from the people of the promised land? The people in the promised land, the the Amorites and the Hittites and all the ites and all that kind of stuff, they're saying, "We we have been scared to death for 40 years because we heard about the plagues that God's people descended on the Egyptians. We heard about what happened to the Egyptian army. They'd been, they had been living in fear. They feared the Israelites, but because the Israelites failed to see with eyes of faith, and, but instead with eyes of fear, they exaggerated. They assumed some things. And we all know what happens when you assume. And that relates then to the second thing, is that we underestimate our abilities. In verse 33, they say, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. I mean, that's what the spies said. But, but how do they know how they looked to their enemies? They didn't. But it's, it's what people today call projection, where you, you project your fears, your experiences, on everyone else around you, like what you are experiencing or what you're seeing is what therefore they must be seeing, they must be thinking, when in reality we have no way of knowing that. The Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. They'd only been free for two. And they were having a hard time seeing themselves as free. They were, they were no longer enslaved by Pharaoh, but they, many of them were still enslaved in their minds. They could not free themselves. On Thursday here, uh, I spoke with a, a gentleman named Sam who'd just been released from the Ellis unit in prison and uh, about two weeks ago. And he's he, in prison, and later he's been, now he's been involved with Zeke Young's Z-Team prison ministry. And we were talking, and he was so grateful to be, be out, but he told me, and, and I, I just remember thinking this, he said, the hard part right now is not being the imprisoned Sam, but being the freed Sam, because that's how I continue to see myself. We have a tendency to see through the eyes of fear. No matter what's happened. Maybe years ago, someone behind your back said some things about you that you overheard. They weren't true, or maybe they weren't completely true, but you started believing them, or you started buying into it, or your parents did something, or a friend said something, or you had an experience at work, and before long, it began to define you. It began to become a part of you even though it wasn't God's intention. You you were enslaved to a lie. And maybe you still struggle. A lot of people do. A lot of us are in our own self-imposed prisons. A lot of us are still in Egypt, even though we're hundreds of miles away. We can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
It's one of the things I love about our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Even, even compared to other great 12-step programs. And don't hear this now, what I'm going to tell you, as a knock totally on other 12-step programs because it's not. But there's one thing that Celebrate Recovery does that, that I really wish some of these other programs would do differently. In AA, you stand up and you say, hi, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic. For those of you, though, who have been a part of our Celebrate Recovery ministry or, or you've been there, you know, we say it a little bit differently. You say, hi, my name is Joe and I am a grateful believer who struggles with alcohol. And there's a difference. Do you hear it? Even though I struggle with a hurt habit or hang-up, my, my struggle is not my identity. Christ is my identity. And because of all this, and it's easy for us to get discouraged. Jump to the next chapter, 14, verse 1. It says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. This is huge pity party because they're afraid to go into the promised land. But what's really keeping them out is not the cities and the giants. It's fear. They've gotten discouraged. And from there, then, we start to gripe about our lives and everything that's going wrong because everything must be going wrong, and we start looking at it that way. Verse 2, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Man, now it's hard for us to imagine. Enslaved for 400 years or wandering in the wilderness? I mean, they start grumbling. These Israelites start grumbling about Moses and Aaron. And they start saying, we were better off as slaves. And then true, we can get used to a bad situation. I've seen it. I've seen people in abusive situations have a very hard time getting free of it. Because even if they step out of the situation, until they step out of it with their minds, they're still there. And what we see is the people mourning and moaning and murmuring and crying and complaining. It's this discontent. And, and, and have you ever noticed that the people who are the most critical, if you get to know them, are often really struggling with insecurities themselves? I mean, there, there can be so much fear in their lives that, that it becomes easy for them to criticize others. If, you, if I can't, if, if I'm unwilling to do the things to raise me up, I'll try to pull you back down. It's like, you know, what happens when you put a bunch of crabs in a, in a, a container and one of them starts to try to climb up, what happens? All the other ones pull it back down. You know, misery loves company. And we don't want somebody else feeling good about themselves if we're not. And so we like to drag others down. And that's, that's often the people who are most critical are the ones most struggling with fear. And so they, 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 they gripe, and that griping leads to eventually giving up and blaming God. Verse 3, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? I mean, they're essentially saying, we know what's better for us, God, than you do. You made a mistake 
bringing us out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of where we could barely make enough bricks to survive. They're blaming God. But God's not the one holding them back. It's their fear. And they're second-guessing themselves. And all of a sudden, they have all these good, good old memories, you know, the fond memories of the good old days in Egypt. Yeah, when we were back in Egypt, man, we had it good. There were only 17 of us in the tent at a time. And we got one meal a day whether we liked it or not. And we liked it. You know, you heard those stories, haven't you? A lot of people today are enslaved by a relationship, by a fear, by a habit, by a compulsion, by a thought. And, and, and we may not like any of these, but if we've gotten used to them, if they're predictable, I mean, we can, we can actually get comfortable with a bad situation and just over time start to see that's just the way I am. I can't help it. I can't change. I can't do anything different. Folks, that's not freedom. I mean, there is, there is no freedom without taking some risks. And God made you, believe it or not, he made you to be a risk taker, to live by faith, not to wander in the wilderness and die out there. So let me just, here in our last few minutes, contrast looking at life We've looked at life through eyes of fear. Now, let's look through eyes of faith, choosing to see things as they could be, as God wants them to be versus the way they are. And first, faith shrinks my problems. The first thing I do when I begin to open the eyes of my heart to the Lord is I really do start seeing God doing things all around me that I have neglected, that I have overlooked, that I have seen marked off as coincidences. And I, and I can begin to see things and people from his viewpoint. And when I do, honestly, stuff starts to shrink because of this perspective. I mean, if I have a big God, problems get smaller. They become more manageable. I start saying, Lord, I, I trust you and know you can handle this. I'm entrusting this to you. I don't know how to get through it, but I don't have to worry. I don't have to make that the focus of my life. I can just take my next step and trust you in the midst of this. I may not know how you're going to do it or when. I may not know what it's going to cost, but I trust that you can get me through this. The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is clearly no. In Luke chapter 1, the angel says, nothing is impossible with God. When we look at what is happening around us with eyes of faith, then our problems start to shrink. And second, faith, faith opens the door for the miraculous. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, Jesus is, is, is using hyperbole here, but the principle is right. When we believe, we do see miracles. 
But if you've already decided that your situation, your circumstance can't change, man, you're going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. God can certainly move hearts. He can help minds to change in, in the time of Jesus and today so that we still see amazing, miraculous things happen that science can't explain. And the opposite is true. When we don't believe, when, when we don't have faith, all we see is through eyes of fear. The Bible says in Matthew 13, when Jesus went to his hometown, and people didn't give him much credence. It says Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So the third thing is that faith moves God to act on our behalf. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going along with what health and wealth, health and prosperity, name it, claim it kinds of stuff where, where God essentially serves you rather than you serving him. That's not what I'm trying to say. God's not a genie, and if you just rub your Bible hard enough or, or whatever, you know, that somehow it, it's just gonna pop up whatever you, your wish is answered. No, God is God. And, and, and you're not, nor am I. I mean, and, and he, he's not here to cater to our every whim. But at the same time, Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? If you have little or no faith, you're going to probably experience very little of what God can do and, and wants to do in and through your life. But if you trust him, you believe, you will see God doing what? Now, you may not see him doing what you think it ought to be. I mean, we, a lot of times we feel like, I know what's best. Do your children always, are they sure they know what's best? And sometimes you look at them and say, if I gave you what you're asking for, we would all pay for it. If I let you eat 10 pounds of chocolate, there would be a lot to pay. And so, we have to trust and believe that he knows what's best, that he is looking out for us. And, and as we do, we will see God doing things. We will see God doing, changing our hearts, changing the hearts of others. We'll see things that we thought could never happen, happen. We'll see things in us happen. I could, never thought I could think that way or I could do that. And yet, now that I'm trusting God and allowing him to do his work, his way, in his time, amazing things are happening. And so we want to push you. We, I, I mean, encourage you to believe God more than you've ever believed him before, to believe his word, to trust his spirit, which helps us realize that the, the fourth thing that is that faith unlocks all the promises of God. I mean, here's where the really big stuff is. The promises of God are not, I want a Lexus, or I want a two-story house over there. Those aren't the promises of God. The promises of God, though, are waiting in the Scripture for, for you and me to claim by faith for our lives. Promises like Christ died for you on the cross so that your sin can be forgiven, no matter what you think. That you can overcome all things through Christ who gives you the strength you need. The no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
that God is with you. Even when you're going through hell. And that God loves you. Even when you're not very lovable. Those things don't change. Those are the promises of God. And in our heads, too many times, we say, well, it may be true for you, but it could never happen to me. It may, he may do that for some, but I don't, I've done too much wrong, or I'm not worthy, or I don't believe it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. But we only experience the, the promises as we have faith that they're real and God wants us to have them. And finally, faith gives me the power to hold on in tough times. And, uh, hey, listen, faith doesn't take us out of our problem. It takes us through it. Faith doesn't always take away the pain, but it gives us the ability to handle it. Faith doesn't always take us out of the storm, but it calms us in the midst of it. Corey ten Boom was a young woman sent to Nazi prison camps, death camps, really, in World War II. And her observation was the people that had the, the, the greatest faith were the ones who lived the longest in those camps. Why? Because faith gives power to us to hold on through tough times. We had a service right here yesterday afternoon to remember a young man who died way too early of cancer. And I want to tell you, there was the power of God working in and through his life in amazing ways. And he went through it. He brought a lot of people with him. And faith produces persistence in us. It gives us the ability to bounce back. I mean, that's a great lesson for us to teach our kids. Resilience, to be able to bounce back because nobody's gonna go through this life without a problem, without some failures. Everybody has flops. Everybody has mistakes. Everybody struggles and hurts and has pain and problems and pressures at some point or another. But the people who make it in this life are resilient because they trust Christ to get them through the tough times. It says in 2 Corinthians, we often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us, and when we are knocked down, we get up again. Man. Faith grows that kind of of resilience in you and me. I want to tell you that every single one of us needs that. And that's why we're going to be spending the next few weeks on faith and why it's so important. And, and here are some things I want you to do over these next three, several weeks. Number one, I want you to watch and discuss six video studies in a small group. And we've got groups meeting on every night of the week. And, and if you haven't signed up, you can go talk to somebody out there. You can open your phone, go to the Find It page for the website, for Gateway's website, and you can, you can get started. You can get signed up in a group. And listen, if there's not the one you want, or you, you're thinking, I want to do this with some of my family, or I want to do it with some of my coworkers. I was listening just the other day to two people saying it was going to be just the two of them from Gateway, and they were taking it to their work, and they were going to do it in their workplace every day, every, every week. You want to do that? We would love to help you, equip you to do that. And you can talk to our folks out there. 
And, and it doesn't have to be 15 people. It might be four of you, but four of you who are committed to doing it every week. And that would be great. Second, we want you to read the daily inspirations in your Daring Faith journal and, and write your own thoughts every day starting next Sunday because out of sight, out of mind. And if I'm spending at least three minutes a day on God, it will change my day. It will change my day. And so this is a great opportunity to go out and get the journal. And then be here for the remaining six Sunday messages or catch them online if you have to be out of town. But, but let's do this together. You know, back in the 60s, many of you remember, America was in a space race with the Soviet Union. And, and it, right at first, the Soviets actually were ahead. Yuri Gagarin was a famous cosmonaut, and he was an atheist, and he was the first man to circle the earth in space. And when he returned, he very boldly and proudly said, I searched the heavens, and I found no God. Thankfully, a few months later, John Glenn, a Christian, circled the earth three times. And when he returned to earth, some of the first words of his interview, he said, I saw God everywhere. I felt his glory in the heavens. I saw his presence in the stars. I felt his power in the sun. I saw God everywhere. So which one of them was telling the truth? Well, in reality, they both were. Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Faith is seeing from God's point of view, and we can't see what God's doing if we're not tuned in and committed to him. And some of you need to make that commitment to Christ this morning. And, and I'm going to pray in a minute and give you an opportunity if you want to do that. And our prayer team will also be down here to pray with you. And if you make that decision today or you've made it recently or, or you've just never been baptized, this afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're going to ha have baptisms, and right after this service down in our Life Center, right down this hall, we'll have a class to talk about being baptized so you can know what to expect. And, and don't forget to get into a group, if you haven't already, to get your journal, and be praying for daring faith. Join us this Wednesday. We're going to have a prayer rally out here in the coffee shop. And, and, and if you're a guest today, man, great time to come. We hope that you'll join in with us also. And we'd love to greet you. And in just in a moment, right outside these doors, right over here, going to be a few of us there to welcome and greet you if you'd come out there um, and, and say, and I'll be out there in just a moment to say hello. And, and Gateway family, if you brought someone, bring them over there. If you've met someone that's new today, encourage them to come over and say hi to us. Here's a scripture I want to I want to leave you with. Ephesians 3. I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. His work, his power at work in us can do far more than we dare ask or imagine. And we dare. Let's dare. Let's dare. Heavenly Father, we pray for the faith to believe, to dare, to see through eyes of faith rather than eyes of fear. 
And for some of us this morning, Father, that is a, that is a watershed change. And for some of us, we need to open ourselves to the kingdom of God because we never have. We need eyes of faith. So, Father, I pray for them, and I pray these words that they would repeat in their mind and say back to you. I ask you, Father, to forgive me. I believe in you. I trust you. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and believe he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and the sins of the world. And I promise to make him now not only my Savior, but my Lord, to trust him the rest of the days of my life. And Father, for all of us, even those of us who've been on this journey a long time with you, help us again make you Lord over every part of our life so that we may see with eyes of faith instead of fear. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.